Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Vertical Momentum. I am Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. I want to thank you. Today's going to be a fun episode. Today's episode is being sponsored by a company called Maxwell Soaps. And what they do is for every bar of soap that they sell, they donate a bar to help the homeless people in the population of Los Angeles, California. So that's Maxwell Soaps, and their hashtag is Don't Be Nasty. So if you love if you love soap without detergents, definitely check them out. But they also have a mission, guys. Today's episode is going to be fun. It's going to be uh, very informative. The gentleman that I have coming on, his name is Jared H. Smith, has some done some great things in the uniform, but he's even doing better things out of the uniform. I just want to thank him. Jared, welcome to the show, my brother. How are you? Hey, Richard. Great here. Thanks so much for having me today. Yeah. What's going on? How was your weekend? Oh, fantastic weekend. A little dreary, but uh, yeah, four kids and a wife and two dogs. They uh, they keep us busy. How about yours? Uh, Yesterday, well, Saturday we went out and uh, did a little spending some quality time and then Yesterday we just, <clears throat> my wife made some homemade pasta. I mean, homemade, homemade pasta and meatballs. And then we just sat and binge watched some uh, TV and just hung out as a couple together yesterday. So it was pretty cool. Great. Yeah, you know, it's life is life is truly amazing. Life so, is good. So, uh, your your accent. Where are you originally from? What are you talking about? I don't have any accent. Oh come on now. <laughs> I'm a Texan. Okay. Uh, born and raised? Born and raised in Texas. Yeah. The uh, little town by the name of Farmersville in Northeast Texas. Uh, our, our Army brethren out there may recall the name Audie Murphy. Uh, oh, we, yeah. we claim to be his hometown. So he wow. So you were destined for the military. If you, if uh, you... I, I reckon. I, I guess I was. So tell us, you know, what was little Jared like as a little boy? Oh, uh, little Jared, he, uh, he, he claims to have liked to have stayed out of trouble. And we, uh, I, I grew up in, in, in a farming community, a small, small town, um, rode four wheelers, fished, uh, dad took me hunting, um, out in West Texas cause there wasn't much hunting to do there in the, in the local area, except for, for birds. Um, we would, we would hunt doves there around town but um growing up uh, I, I bailed hay trained um trained labrador retrievers for waterfowl and upland game bird hunting and um always enjoyed and academics enjoyed science and math but never was re- very good at it uh, it only took me another 15 to 20 years to figure that out so uh, now were you, were you a good student yeah, you could say I was a good student, honor roll type, um, you know, never did like to get into trouble or cause 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 a fuss. So. Uh, so, yeah, you could call me a, a so-called good student, I guess. So were you an athlete at all? Uh, I did play football and baseball, tried basketball in middle school. I was terrible at that. So so I quit, quit that, quit that game. And then uh, as part of a football team, they made us run track. So I had to run track every spring as well. But um, I was by no means a, uh, <laughs> a great athlete. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, I got on the field and um, scuffed it up. So you had a pretty good childhood. Everything was uh, – family dynamics were good? 
Yeah, well, my parents divorced at uh, at age fourteen, um, so that was tough. You know, looking back on it, that was a uh, that was a tough time, and with the prevalence of of you know divorce in our society today, um, I, I know what that I know what that does to uh, to kids, and and yeah, but otherwise, I mean, I, I did have a good I did have a good childhood. My dad, and mom took care of me, and um, you know, I've got a sister, and we're we're pretty close still. So, uh, so yeah, uh, I, I can't complain. I can't complain, but there's no, no point complaining. Cause I had a, I had a pretty good childhood. All right. So now did you, so you did good in high school. So did you get any, uh, scholarships or anything to go to college? Oh, no. So, and as, as, as you and probably most of your listeners are, are well aware, you know, back in the eighties and nineties, early two thousands, even up, even up till maybe going into 2020, you know, the, the, the so-called status quo was, you know, get a degree, go to college, get a degree, go find a job, save for retirement and all that stuff. And and my grades, you know, I was an, an A-B student in high school and I went to the community college uh, coming out of high school, not knowing what I wanted to do or, or really why I was going to college with the exception of, you know, in my in my circles, that's what that's what most were doing if you were going to so-called be successful unquote so i bounced around community college while working at chili's for a year and then my buddy from high school um had gone to texas a&m he had been he was a salutatorian i guess of our class and he had been accepted at a&m uh as a biomed student and he needed roommates so he called called up me and another buddy of of ours and said hey why don't y'all come to college station and uh so that's what we did (laughs) and uh i guess that was the fall of 1999 and uh, I wound up studying geology at Texas A&M after attending the local community college down there. And um, and then I got a Bachelor of Science in Geology by 2003. Of course, during that time, 9-11 happened. And uh, that's when I joined the service in what was called a delayed entry program. Yeah, now, I love to hear people's recruiting stories. So tell me your story when you walked into the recruiter. Oh, okay. So, well, let's, let's, let's rewind a few years. And in uh, 1998, as a high school senior, um, I had called up the Navy recruiter. Think about enlisting in the Navy. I don't know why at the time, again, coming off the fact that my parents had divorced a few years earlier. Um, And don't get me wrong. I mean, those are some pretty trying times, right? So I was trying to find myself and I thought the Navy might be a good, a good place for, for me. Uh, Well, I wound up catching that, that enlisted recruiter, and, and, and what I referred to as a lie, and therefore I didn't sign up. But then 9-11 came along, and I was going to have have trouble finishing my degree there at Texas A&M. Um, my, only, uh, my only source of funding at the time was a seasonal fireworks business I'd started um, in 1998. And I, was going, I thought I was going to have trouble finishing my degree at Texas A&M um, if I didn't get another source of, of income. Uh, and then 9-11 happened as well, and and that um, took me to the recruiter, uh, the Navy recruiter, who said, "Hey, you could um you could sign up now in this late entry program, finish your degree, and then go off to the Navy as a commissioned officer." And uh, that that wound up being my being my path. So um so yeah, I got on the Navy the Navy dime in 2002, and finished my degree at Texas A&M in 2003, and then went off to officer candidate school. Pensacola, Florida, um, in 2004. Uh, yeah, I guess you could say the rest is history. 
So obviously, if you've been in, you're still in. I am. I'm active duty U.S. Navy. Uh, caveat: Nothing I say here today is representative of the U.S. government, DOD, or the U.S. Navy. They are all the opinions <laughs> of Jared H. Smith only. Good, because I don't. You know, I have. I've talked to several people, especially um, some special operators that were still in the field, and I, I totally uh, get the anonymity. So we're not going to talk about go into detail about anything. Um, so obviously, you've been on multiple deployments, correct? I have. And so we're not, you know, so we know that, you know, because uh, like a lot of I've interviewed now hundreds of veterans now. Um, and a lot of times now we're going to talk about, you know, transitioning, because I know you help people that are transitioning, you know, you haven't transitioned out yourself. But, um, you know, a lot of times when an adult acts out, it's usually because of, you know, stuff that happens between the ages of like three and 13 or 15 and then you add war to the mix, and then you add alcohol to the mix sometimes, and now you're in a perfect storm, and nobody talks to you about how to get out of the perfect storm. And so when a, a lot of guys get out, or girls, because um, I interview a lot of females also, um, they realize that, you know, when they get out first, you know, they lose their camaraderie. You know, they, they, they miss their people that they, were, they became family with. And then a lot of times they, they miss their, uh, they don't have a mission when they get out anymore. So can you please talk to us about what you do um, in helping people in, in their transitioning phase? Yeah, Richard, you really, you really hit the, hit the nail right on the head, man. And like you said, I, I am, I'm in the midst of this transition myself. Um, I feel that, uh, I feel that God has put me in in this situation and and molded and crafted me to provide this transition guidance, even though I haven't completed it myself. And uh, I'll frame this discussion by what I've come to to kind of use as a as a as a three tier model of of life, uh, residing on one sturdy foundation. And those those pillars, as I call them, are, are health, self, and wealth. And they all must sit on a very strong foundation of relationships. Uh, and there's a there's a story that goes along with this. So back in 2014, I left Monterey, California from Naval Postgraduate School with an MBA in information systems. That sent me to a payback tour uh, at the, the Naval Supplies System Command's information technology branch. In that assignment as collateral duties, I was given the collateral duty of transition assistance program officer, as well as casual assistance calls officer um, qualification Um, for the transition assistance program officer. That's exactly what it says it is, uh, except it's focused on the the government bureaucracy of checking the blocks to ensure a person separates properly from the military, leaving no um, leaving no task incomplete. So I was in that role, I was focused on meeting the government requirements as opposed on meeting the individual's needs. Um, in that role, I saw 10 officers either separate and or retire out of the service, five of each. And in nine out of those 10 experiences I had, uh, the nine had a really, really tough time. And looking back on it, it's crystal clear as to why. But at the time, I, I was in it. And I was as much at fault for their challenges and problems that they had 
uh, as the system was and still is, frankly. Now, as the casual, as a casualty assistance calls officer, I received some training for that role and wound up being an assistant on only one case while in that assignment. And looking back on that role at the time, uh, I did not I did not take from that all that I could have taken to benefit one those around me, and then two myself. Uh, I guess that's what comes with age, because I like to refer to this entire matter as the the little M mission of staff and operational assignments for weapons platform mission readiness and being able to take the take the fight to the enemy. Right, that's our little M missions that we are continually bombarded with um, from the earliest days in basic training or or officer candidate school or even in the other commissioning pipelines of ROTC and the Naval Academy. So these little known missions keep us fully focused on mission readiness and in our own physical readiness throughout the time that we're in service. Uh, I think our, our biggest our biggest challenge is seeing the big mission of life, uh, both in uniform and then preparing fully preparing for that life far, far beyond, because there's there's a few certainties in this world. One, we're going to die. Two, we're going to pay taxes. And then three, we're all going to get out of the service <laughs> one way or another. And I think the culture is is not um, not highlighting that fact because we're so focused on the little omission. And as as many say, quote, taking care of our people, unquote, that we're we're missing some grand opportunity early and often throughout our service time to prepare for that eventuality of, of leaving military service. Uh, pause there. Yeah, let me I, pause there. You got any questions about any of that before I continue? No, I mean I, I totally agree. And like I got thrown out of the military the first time for being a drug addict. And then I, I got back in the second time and I did everything I could to be the best soldier that I could be. And I became a non-commissioned officer. I won soldier of the year. Um, but everything from the age of 22 to the age of almost 45 um, was being Sergeant Kaufman, being the best soldier I could yeah. be, you know, being, and then the day I got medically discharged and they told me, well, you're no longer a member of the United States military. You're you lost. Know, I, yeah, I didn't know you know, I didn't know who Richard right, was. Right. So I had to, I guess what they say is I have to, I had to re find out who I was and reinvent yep. myself. So, you know, how does a person, you know, I mean, I know it's, you know, say if you, you spent 20 years in say in the Navy on a boat, you know, and then you're all of a sudden you're out and, you know, I, and I see a lot of people, or veterans that get out have problems transitioning into the into the um, private sector, yeah. you know, because when they do a resume, you know, they use all these acronyms and all these, Different. and and you and you could see the people that are hiring their eyes just glass over, and they just throw the resume into the pile because they don't yep. understand. So, what do you recommend? You know, because they say you know failure plan is planning exactly. to fail. So now that you're you know you're in the process, what kind of because a lot of people who listen to this are either veterans, entrepreneurs, or people that are getting ready to transition out. What kind of plan should they be putting into place and how long before they get out? 
should they start planning? So here's again, I'm going to refer back to to story, right? And I'm going to weave this story through these through these pillars of health, self, and wealth, and and then relate that to the the, the very necessary foundation of relationships that those those must sit on. Uh, so I'm going to accelerate from the 2014 2017 timeframe when I was a transition assistance program officer and a casual assistance calls officer, and we're going to to go to my experience at National Defense University's Dwight D. Eisenhower School for National Security and Resource Strategy. I arrived in Washington, D.C. at that school in August of 2019, and it's a 10-month program where we look at geoeconomics as well as the country's industrial base for prosecuting war. Um, We would have done a lot of travel during the spring semester had it not been for COVID. Because of COVID, all of our CONUS and OCONUS travel was canceled, and therefore we were left with the capacity to um, do a little bit more research on the research report that, that our cohorts were assigned. Um, but I was also allowed the capacity um, to kind of let the pressure cooker bubble of the little omission relax a little bit. And that institution claims to teach its students uh, not only critical thinking, but formulation of good questions. And in March of 2020, I, I like to joke, I leaned back in my chair and, and thought for, for, I don't know, 45, 50 minutes maybe um, about the whole transition topic because I had recognized only three years prior in 2017, 2018, two years prior, 2018, when I had been promoted or been selected for promotion to commander rank 05P grade, that, that the reality, reality hit me that I would get out of the service one day. And why that hadn't occurred to me beforehand, I have no idea, but it, it hadn't. And so accelerate forward again to, to the March timeframe 2020, and I formulated a five-word question based on what I learned about the um, challenges with transition active duty and veteran suicide crisis and some other matters. I asked myself, are we doing transition right? And it was a split second um, that I decided, no, we've got it all backwards. And that sent me on down the path of, of exploring a way to fix that. And then Memorial Day 2020, sure enough, a, um, a, a, a 22 push-up challenge on Facebook caught my attention because I'm not, I wasn't big into social media before the last the last year or so, but I, I wound up seeing that, and frankly, it ticked me off uh, because none of us doing push doing push-ups out there on social media are, are, are moving the planet. I like to say, and I was like, okay, they brought awareness to that atrocity to me, and I'm going to do something about it. So, wait, can you can you say that a little bit louder to the people in the back because that is one of the things that really pisses me off, also. Um, the whole 22 push-ups thing. So um, I'm totally lockstep in agreement with you 100%. Yeah, it's um, – I understand what people are trying to do by bringing awareness to the fact that we are losing our brothers and sisters to suicide. Doing push-ups isn't going to change the fact. We need to get to the root cause, understand why they, why they take that path why they make that decision. And I think I found, I think I found the smoking guns. 
pardon the pun, for why why we're doing that. Because I, I I went through that journey myself during during that time at the Information Technology Command. Um, I had been deployed on an individual augmentee assignment to the to the desert unexpectedly. Uh, what was what was supposed to be two months turned into six. I came back from that deployment in 2016, and had had some challenges. Um, I was I was uh, accused of of uh, I don't know professional harassment, so to speak, um, and that I had sent a couple of notes to a junior officer asking them for updates, and that officer had taken you know my in- inquiries as to harassing and went to the CO with the matter. Um, that sent me down a, a really dark path because during my next eval or fitness report grades, I had received a, a level mark. Basically I had not, I had not um, increased my, increased my fitness report grade year over year. And therefore I thought I would not be eligible for commander rank because of that. And my identity, my identity being tied up in my rank and weapons platforms and service branch and the mentality of either promote or you or you're a failure um, took me into a, some very dark places. And fortunately, I reached out to both informal support through Military One Source, and also went and got the counseling and support I needed from the military medical system uh, to come through that. Uh, because at the time, you know, I was selfishly not considering my wife, my kids, my extended family, and um, my friends uh, that I had, I had built up and, and developed relationships with over the, the years in military service, nor was I thinking about friends from high school, right? People that, 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 that know me um, from, from far past. So we need to get to the root problem of this. And that's, that's where during the April and May timeframe, uh, I came to this idea about, you know, life pillars, wealth, self, and health. Um, and it was a journey, but, you know, move forward and getting, getting through that, that very challenging and difficult time period of, you know, me not valuing my, my own inner self. Um, I, I still didn't, I still had not overcome the health challenge that, that, that contributed to my mindset being like it was identity tied up in rank and weapons platform service branch. Um, so that wasn't until I was in, in DC at National Defense University um, as a commander, an 05 pay grade, I was able to bravely approach the medical system and ask for a sleep study be done. Three three visits later, to convince the primary care physician that I needed to get a sleep study, um, I got the referral, had the sleep study done, and you know what happened? Sleep apnea diagnosis, chronic anxiety, chronic exhaustion, severe anxiety diagnosis as well. Uh, and they got me on a sleep machine. And that's been just uh, just almost a year since that diagnosis and treatment began. And I am a different man. Um, because of that, you know, we got to focus on our health. Uh, upon dozens and dozens of, of both veterans and active duty peers I've interviewed over the past year, they all, they, most all of them say, yeah, I got really no idea how the, how the medical system works. You know, I'll take care of that before I get out. Like delaying the the, the health and the medical treatment that our bodies need in order to ensure peak performance throughout service time is, is a detriment to, to ourselves, our families, the commands we work for, as well as the nation. Uh, you know, go ahead. In, you know, the health, I was in the health and fitness industry for over 32 years. And um, 
and you know, I'm actually having or throwing our own mental health summit coming up in April called Today I Decide. Nice. And we're talking about um, the mind, the body, and the spirit. Great. And usually, if one is off, they're all off. Exactly. It's all connected. Yep. So, like you said, you know, like a lot of times, even when you, you know, when people transition out, you know, when we're in the military, you know, we're doing PT, you know, every day. There, cool. you know, yeah, we're, we're sober, we're 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 drunk, we still do PT. Um, we become like a fine oil machine. Yep. You know, in the military, you know, there is no days off. You know, there is no sick call. Um, but when we get out, all of a sudden, you know, we're sitting on the couch eating bonbons and, you know, we get severely out of shape, diabetes and all that stuff. And then when the mental health stuff kicks in, then you're totally thrown off your whole game. So that's what pretty much what you're talking about, correct? Well, see, that's that's the thing, though. I mean, during my five, last five or six years, I had achieved twice yearly, or well, once yearly, because I would I would get um, get the pass on the second physical fitness assessment because I was acing acing it once a year, right? Physically top condition, but mentally I was hurting because that sleep. The stigma, of, the stigma of not pursuing mental health is. It is it is a is a huge problem for but also, full you know, health and well being. Realize that you know when you're when you sleep is when your body actually Recovers. is recovering. That's right. So if you're not recovering, then you're just breaking down, breaking down, and breaking down. Yeah, that's right. And then you're not your best self for your you know for your command or for your family for week for days, weeks, and years, and then and then decades. And and it's a it's a shame. So what have you learned, you know, about yourself, you know, since you started doing the, the um, using the CPAP or, you know, whatever machine you're using, how, how is your health improved by using it? I'm happy. I, I can think clearly. I'm not an, I'm not an a-hole. <laughs> At least not as bad of an a-hole as I used to be anyways. That's what people are telling me. You know, and also I tell a lot of people, you know, once make sure that you have doubles and triples and triplicates of all your medical stuff and For sure. keep records of everything. Yep. Because, you know, when you get out, they don't tell you about the VA system. They don't nope. tell you about anything. No. Nope. It's just like you hit the street and you're like, oh, well, you got to go. Yeah. I, I call TAP and SFL the, the traps is what I refer to them as. And, and here's the reason why. Now, can you explain those acronyms? Yeah, Transition Assistance Program, also known as Soldiers for Life in the in the U.S. Army and the U.S. Air Force, I believe. Um, but in the Navy, it's called the Transition Assistance Program, and and I think it's a trap because we our culture is saying, "Oh yeah, TAP's available for you." You know, retirees two years prior, and for separates one year prior, it's not enough time. And you asked me earlier, you know, what 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 you know what what have I recognized or what am I doing to help people? Um, and I, I lean back on these dozens and dozens of interviews with veterans um, that I've had over the last year. And they all said, start earlier, start sooner. Um, but but very few of them say say what to do. And 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 the real the really big point is none of them say why. And in my tap class that I took last November, in the middle of that 80 or 90 page pamphlet that they gave us for transition assistance, um, I think it was page 47. 
And and right there on page 47, it said, find your why. But that was it. Right. So there's so much focus today with people on with people that are transitioning on finding jobs. And I think it's we've got it all backwards. It's not about it's not about finding a job. That's a shallow solution to a very complex problem as it pertains to our health, our self and our wealth. And what fixes this is planning, intentional, informed, much, much sooner planning for that inevitable transition off of active duty. Because like I started out with, we all leave service one day. We know that upon completion of the basic training pipelines, enlisted or commissioned. And to not to not have a structure, a program, in fact, to plan for that become intentionally informed about that eventuality is setting ourselves up for extreme hardship and failure. And I think that's why we see the challenges that we see in the transition landscape, because the the vast majority of service offerings are focused on jobs, right? Getting jobs. And then the, 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 the next biggest one from my perspective is the mental health aspect. All these are problems because we're waiting way too late to start this transition planning. And I, uh, my my viewpoint is transition is not a two-year or a one-year or an eight-month project. It's a five-year planning horizon, and it starts upon completion of the basic training pipelines or now because the vast majority of us are, are so focused on the little omission to the detriment of ourselves and the big omission of life and service and far beyond. You know, I love that, and, you know, I was talking with a – he won't, I can't say who he is, but, um, a great gentleman, a four star, we all know him. Um, but because of politics, blah, 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 we know how that goes. Um, we were talking about transitioning and, and we're talking, you know, how, when you get in the military, you know, you go through, you go through basic intense, basic, you go through intense AIT, you know, for four to six months, yeah. but get out five days. They, you know, they, they have you sit down in front of like a counselor. Are you okay? Are you sure are you okay? And boom, you're done. Right. So there's, you know, there's a big intro, but a very small outro. Exactly. I think that what you're doing is uh, help so helpful. But I also think like for, for a guy like myself, where just tell me what to do. Give me an SOP structure. and I'll do it. Exactly. exactly. That's, you know? that's how we ran our weapons platforms, right? Programs and structure. Yeah. Why are we not doing that for our individual selves? I don't know. You know, like I talk to a lot of veterans that they get out, you know, every veteran that gets out, um, they want to start a t-shirt company, a hat company, coffee company. Um, Takes planning, man. Six months, six months later, you know, there's six months later, they're $10,000 in debt. Don't know what the hell just happened. Yep. And mainly because there is there was no SOP. Exactly. So talk to us about the SOP. Yeah. So like I like I previously mentioned, you know these 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 three pillars that I'm talking about, health, self, and wealth, they're all interrelated, right? So these intentional planning aspects early in service, no matter your age, are crucial, especially when it comes to the wealth well, the wealth side of this. And I will. I'll take and use life insurance as the example. Most every service member enrolls into SGLI early on because that's what we're told to do, right? Um, sh- shut up in color, follow orders, do what you're told, you know, be a part of the team. Um, the SGLI ends at 20 years of service or when you depart from the military. 
most people don't know that SGLI is underwritten by Prudential, a, a stock company, a stock insurance company out in the economy. Most, most people don't realize that the group nature of the life insurance um, spreads the cost amongst the population. So everybody pays the same, regardless of if you're healthy or, or not healthy. Um, people can go out to Prudential directly early in service at the one-year mark or immediately or at the one-year mark, five-year mark or the 15-year mark and get and get their own policy, probably for a cheaper rate if they want to. Um, but my point about this is delaying the eventuality of SGLI going away is only going to um, prevent the service member and their family from getting one, the, the full coverage they need because SGLI only covers about three years of an officer's salary, right? Maybe five to seven years for a, a junior enlisted salary. Um, and there's no reason why we can't take a more informed approach to that aspect of our personal and family wealth positioning. It's just one example of, of many where, again, structure and programs that focus on the individual's needs are in place to take care of the service member because these programs that we're typically in are taking care of the group and the collective, right? The team aspect in order to go fight the nation's wars. Um, and I don't necessarily know that it's best for the individual. Same goes for the, the readiness centers, right? And the type of wealth advice they are providing to the majority of the population. I don't necessarily know that it's, you know, that focusing on expenses only is the right way to go. It, um, it embeds a scarcity mindset uh, as opposed to a mindset of abundance. And to um, to go do well in this economy ahead, you're going to need a mindset of, mindset of abundance in order to to, to force um, revenue streams toward you so that you can do do more and more great things with the revenue streams as opposed to as opposed to not. It all comes back to mindset. All right, it's all about the mindset and how we view the how we view the world. That was a whole lot. You got any questions about any of that before I continue? Well, you know, I was talking to a command sergeant major uh, last week. I was interviewing him and we're talking about finances. You know, like he would say he would roll through the gate for PT in the morning. You know, I mean, he would have a decent car. You know, it, was, it wasn't nothing brand new, but it was, you know, a good, good quality car. And he would see, you know, a brand new Camaro or a brand new Dodge Ram 1500 pull up in front of him. And he knew it had to be an E1 <laughs> to an E4. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a reason why there's so many when you, on any base you go to, there's car dealerships, titty bars and um, all these things to take their yeah. money because they don't teach economics at all. And they say usually you haven't been in the military unless you've had one divorce and one bankruptcy and one repossession. <laughs> but, you know, because it's it's not talked about. I mean, where else can you go where, you know, an E1 can just well, walk out of a car dealership with a, with a brand new Dodge Ram 1500? Because yeah. they know it's going to be, re, be repossessed within right. a year. You know what I mean? So, so, you know, what kind of things can a person do? You know, because like when we're in the military, you know, we we're all hua hua and hardcore, but you know, we get coddled away. Yeah, yeah, away. exactly. You know, we get, you know, we get used to getting paid on right. the first and the fifteenth. You know, we have Tricare. Yep. You know, we have all this stuff, and then when you get out, you don't have squat. Right. So that's that's you know? the danger of the of, of the 
of the, the solutions that are that are that are offered and encouraged to us is we don't have to think about it. Not thinking about it is extremely dangerous. Not getting smart about it is extremely dangerous. I've got four degrees from higher academia. K through 12, right? Successful in that academic environment as well, so to speak. Nothing I've learned about financial literacy and money aptitude in the past year came from academics. Absolutely none of it. It's all been self-education on my own, exploring rabbit holes on the internet and getting smart about the world we live in, as well as the nation's constitution that we are defending. And the funny thing is, you know, we're talking about finances. Um, If you write bad checks in the military, you will get written up or you will get um, demoted. But they don't tell you how to write a good check. They don't show you how to uh, balance a checking account. Based stuff, they don't show you. They just said, okay, your money's going to hit on the 15th. Uh, don't spend it all. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's about as, as far as yeah. it gets, you know? And, that, and, you know, it all, again, it's all tied together, right? Managing managing your health care, um, getting a, a good solid foundation of the wealth landscape. And they're so interconnected, like I said, for the insurance arena, right? The older you get, the, the, the more costly your insurance become will become uh, unless you're on the group plan. Right. And then if you wait until 10, 15, 20 years in after you're all broken and, you know, I've been to mental health and all this stuff, well, the insurance company perceives you as a higher risk and they're going to charge you more. So do this stuff earlier and sooner, get smart on it much, much sooner. Um, and that's part of like my program, the structure, right. And the, the guidance, like that's, that's what I'm trying to assemble right now is structure for those of us that have been in the service for a long time or those of us that are just coming out of the training pipelines to fall in on a structure to know that me and people that I have entrusted my own well-being and for health, self and wealth, people I'm comfortable and I trust are going to do the right thing by whomever I send their way. So because we've got these 40 to 45,000 nonprofits for service members and veterans out there, I perceive it as a just a, a blizzard of of information and offerings. We need some structure to it. We need somebody that that will say, "Hey, you got to be honest with me. Lay it all out there for your health, self, and wealth picture. What is what do you perceive as your problem right now? And I'm going to guide you through that transition battlefield landscape. Um, you know, over three to five years, so that we ensure you are fully mission capable. Um, when your transition battle starts, once it starts, so it's too late. Uh, it's too late to try to prepare once it starts. As you know, any other mission we've gone on, once the battle starts, if you're not ready, you're screwed. So, is this what the commission officers' guide it is. is all about? Yeah. So, the commission officers' guide came to mind last summer at some point, and I was like, we need we need guides for for you know junior officers and senior officers. To, to get them ready for, for transition because we're all getting out one day. And I focused on the officer corps first because, one, that's what I know, you know, as an officer. I've never been an enlisted man. Um, so I don't, I, don't, I don't have that experience, and therefore I don't feel qualified to provide them with guidance. Um, however, with that said, I thought that, hey, if I can get officers 
on board with this, then I will convince them to take care of their people by bringing them on board too, right? And I'll get some senior enlisted folks from across the service branches to come through the program and then start really teaching their teaching their soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines what it is they need to they need to be thinking about early in service to to truly be little M mission ready from the family aspect and then big M mission ready to go prosecute the nation's wars. Now is this in book form or is this how is well, this done? R- right now it's it's mainly social media and one on ones um, with me because I am I'm building this thing as I go. Uh, I know I know we need structure to this entire topic. Um, but I'm limited in capacity to do it, right? I'll still be in on active duty. Joint ethics regulations prevent me from doing some things as well. Um, yep. So you got the UCMJ Article 134 that is basically a you know a broad <laughs> a broad catch-all. So if the service doesn't like something you're doing, they can hit me up for that. So I'm having to tread lightly, but I am I am writing a book. Uh, the name of the book is The Military Veterans Disadvantage. And it is going to come out Memorial Day 2022, about four months from my retirement date. Okay, so now how does somebody, um, you know, for our listeners, maybe you might have something special for them. But um, what is, how do, can they get in touch with you? How can they um, learn more about? Yeah, what sure. Um, they can they can visit my website, www.jaredhsmith.com slash Charlie Oscar Golf, spells COG. Or the commission officer's guide. I also like that because it's it's the center of gravity we think about in operational warfare, right? And I believe I believe these topics to be the center center of gravity for our service members transition war that's happening right now, especially with the economy ahead. Uh, so they can they can come there and sign up for my email list to get updates about the book's progress. Uh, they can also find me on LinkedIn. I have Jared H. Smith. Um, I have grabbed the hashtags of heck yeah as my call sign and a play on my middle initial H. I also use the hashtag Ike um, for Eisenhower because Dwight D. Eisenhower uh, has become a, 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 an influencer and mentor of mine, even though he is long gone. Um, but I like the acronym Ike uh, because it stands for imag- imagination, knowledge, and experience. And those are the things that service members and transitioning service members and veterans are going to use to find success in the, in, in the world ahead. We, we've got to have imagination. We've got to pull on the knowledge that we've got, and we've got to use that experience that we have from service to uh, to go make a difference out there in the in the community. Um, I would like to add, with respect to the the self pillar, and finding that why. Far too many of us are taking way too long to find that why beyond the rank, weapons platform, service branch, and it really all starts right there. Uh, that's going to be hard to do until you got your health straight. And it's going to be really hard to do if you're having trouble putting food on the table and keeping a roof over your head. Um, so that's why I weave all these things together. And all of them, every single one of those pillars, health, self, and wealth, are much easily achieved if you've got great relationships from your service time. Um, I look back with regret because there was probably a thousand people that I've come across since 2006 when I really got in the Navy and went to the submarine where I didn't develop relationships like I should have throughout those years. And it's so critically important um, because, you know, our, the, the dash that's going to be on our headstone between our birth year and our death year, um, all we're going to remember um, right, right when that dash ends is the relationships that we that we formed. 
So I just wanted to get that last little bit in there because I think it's crucially important. I lo- yep, definitely. Um, and the last question I ask everybody on now I have two different podcasts. And this is a brand new one, so you're like you're like one of the the first persons ever to be on this podcast. So I just want to thank awesome. you for taking the thank time. You. I'm tr- um, humbled and grateful. But the last question I'm going to ask on both podcasts, because uh, it means a lot, um, and I get a lot of different answers, is in this busy world that we live in, you know, if I ask somebody to do something in seven days because we live in such a crazy world, it'll never get done. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step, you know, if I say, you know, Jared, I want you to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, you're more likely to take it. So if you know somebody that's struggling with either their mental health or any of the, any of the, the mind, body, and spirit, whatever, you know, what we're talking about, what can they do in the next 24 hours to start to right the ship? Because there's so many resources out there in each of those categories, I would ask them to just reach out to me so that I can ask, ask them what they want and then provide them with a path to go resolve it. Because I won't claim to be an expert in any of them, but my journey over the past three years has connected me with a lot of experts who can get them what they need, but either not for cost or for cost. Um, I would say do that. Reach out, reach out to okay. me. Okay. I, I love that. So, you know, I, I want to thank you. I can't wait. Can't wait for what, you know, um, your book. I'm excited about that. I think that's, it's going to be an amazing book. And I oh, want thanks, to have Richard. you back on. I'm sorry. I, I, I failed yep. to mention leading up to the book though. I have created a, a newsletter series at sub at HTTPS colon slash slash substack dot Jared And I call it my commission officers guide opera series. Um, and I kind of, I kind of take people through, through my journey with my self-discovery and health, self, and wealth um, through that series. And one newsletter comes out every federal holiday between now and Veterans Day this year. So they can um, sign up for that there as well. It's all no, no, all no cost. I'll definitely put that in, in the liner notes. So, um, and I want to thank our sponsor for today, Maxwell Soaps. Um, if you guys get a chance, check out Maxwell Soaps. It's soap with a mission. And I use the soap because I have diabetes and it's very good for my skin because there's no detergents. And they also give a bar of soap away to homeless people in the uh, Los Angeles area to to help kind of clean up the streets. So, and their hashtag is don't be nasty. Please check them out. Guys, make sure that you follow Jared. Make sure that that you're going to follow him, get in touch with him, um, especially if you're transitioning out in the next two years. Um, Have a plan. And he can help you with that plan. (laughs) Next five years. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you so much, brother, and have a blessed day. And this will probably go out in the next couple of weeks, and, and I'll send you the link. So I'm just so grateful that you Hey, thanks a lot, Richard. I, I truly enjoyed it. Uh, humbled to, to, to have joined you here today. Take care. And the one thing I didn't mention is um, thank you for being a brother in Christ. Um, I think that's the most important thing is, you know, our, our faith and our our eternal. So I just want to say thank you for Same being you, brother. brother in Christ. Exactly right. right. You too. Have Bye-bye. an amazing day.